This is a 980 CKNW podcast. You are live with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with uh, fellow tech nerds, John Beeler, AJ Vickery. We have a pretty cool show today. Uh, later on in the program, uh, we will be chatting with David Usher. He is from a band called Moist. I don't know if you've heard of that band before, John. Yes, I have. Yes, you have. <laughs> well, I, I've asked a few people, and not everyone knows. No. But it's a Canadian band. Uh, he is from Montreal. They were very big in the 90s. Yes. And they're kind of on their comeback trail now. Yeah. Uh, I listen to some of their music, a little heavier kind of rock. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he uh, is also into artificial intelligence, uh, and he's got a company that's developing all kinds of uh, AI. We'll be chatting with him. We uh, will also be chatting with a gentleman. His name is Simon Tien. He is the founder behind Phonos. Phonos? <laughs> Phonus? Phonus. Uh, this is a new cell phone service that has promised unlimited talk, text, and data. That's right. Not just in Canada, but around the world with no roaming. <laughs> so you put this one SIM card in, you can get a Canadian number, and for 40 bucks, roughly Canadian a month, you get that. And so we've been talking about this for a couple of weeks, and we managed to track Simon down. In, in Hong Kong. In Hong Kong. And uh, we will be chatting with him uh, in the next segment just to see if this is really, it still sounds too good to be true. And you guys, uh, I'm looking at you, John and AJ and uh, Stephen, one of our producers, you actually bought one and you got it free now. We got a special email. Uh, this was. <laughs> The result of a Reddit thread, apparently, where some promises were made, and we got an email from Phonus saying, hey, you're one of the first 500 uh, people to buy into the SIM. We're going to give you the service free for life. Well, yeah. I was skeptical (laughs) and did not purchase one. (laughs) No, you actually said, I'm going to do it. And yeah. so we were recording the show. Oh, did I? You yeah. said I was going to do it. And while and then I was like, yeah, you know, if Mike's going to do it, I'm going to do it. And I just did it while you were doing <laughs> the show. And I did it because you were doing it. <laughs> yeah. I did it. He did it. They did it. And Steven did it from behind the camera. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. It'll be. <laughs> well, you have nothing to lose now, really. Well, I mean, you had to pay for the sim. Yeah. Right. Which is. We always risk the 30 bucks. Yeah. So yeah. I'm still fascinated to see these sims arrive and work in a phone. Yeah. But anyway, we'll be talking with Simon Tien. Uh, We were one of the few tech outlets in the world that uh, have had a chance to actually talk with him. So uh, I'm excited about that. Let's look at some of the uh, tech news this week, uh, guys. Uh, And this one I found fascinating. Texting and driving, distracted driving, (laughs) huge, huge issue. Yes. Uh, I think we're all guilty of it. No. 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 <laughs> didn't, didn't you get pulled over with five cell phones one time? <laughs> didn't you? Well, I did. <laughs> Were you playing Pokemon? I did get pulled over, yes, for, for um, and the, I was actually um, recognized as a. Oh, as AJ from Get Connected. As a, as a computer person. And they're like, why? <laughs> You're the tech guy. Why did you have five cell phones in your car, on your dash? <laughs> like, I, was on my way, I was on my way to a flea market. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, seriously? <laughs> no, I don't think it was five cell phones, but it was it was a case of uh, I was demoing a new OnePlus that just came out. I think it's the OnePlus 5. This is a while ago. And um, yeah, I um, hadn't connected it to the hands-free devices yet in my car. So, you know, there you go. And did you get a ticket? Yeah, of course you get a ticket. Okay. Okay. So Australia, 
uh, is taking it to the next level. They, uh, in one jurisdiction, I think New South Wales, they're rolling out artificial intelligence cameras that can detect drivers that are on their phones. <laughs> so this sounds interesting. So how it works is that I guess they put the camera on a specific street and it basically takes pictures of every single car going by. And the software uh, using artificial intelligence looks through all of those photos and determines whether you are on your cell phone or not. If it deems that you are, it then gets kicked over to a human to make that final call and then you get a ticket. It's like, no, man, I was reading a book. <laughs> on my phone. On my, on my, on no, my phone. no real book. <laughs> so it's like photo uh, radar. A lot of groups are upset about this because it's again one of these situations: guilty until proven innocent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, essentially, uh, and also privacy groups are concerned. What's happening with all these photos? Well, the uh, the police say that if it's determined that you're not on your cell on your cell phone, those photos get deleted within the hour. Right. <laughs> they get backed up to another hard drive, then deleted off the main hard drive, and yes. they'll exist forever on the internet. Can I tell you what we're going to see in about a year? A bunch of photos leaked onto the <laughs> internet from one of these cameras. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, here's the problem. Like, it is a problem. There's no question. Like, it is an absolute problem because people are glued to their phones. doesn't matter what you're doing, driving included. It yeah. happens, right? I mean, I know we don't do it, but it, it's out there happening. So then... You're getting these tickets, but now all these elect EV vehicles are on the marketplace and they got giant computer screens on I the knew, dashboard. I knew you're going here. <laughs> and you know what? I got to be honest. I got a Tesla Model 3. It's got the giant screen. It's a giant like, iPad. It's an iPad Pro. It, oh, it's bigger than an iPad. Yeah. And so the other day I'm, I'm driving and I'm like, oh, I want to listen to, uh, you know, this Honeymoon Suite song. You know, I haven't heard it for a while. So yeah. I go into the search menu on my, on my screen there while I'm driving and the keyboard comes up and I'm just like... <laughs> <laughs> honey moon and i'm thinking this is like way worse than texting and driving exactly so you're gonna I, get a ticket now if you drive in australia no, well no i won't because i won't have a cell phone in my yeah, hand yeah you get to roll right through that roadside check and just smile <laughs> while you're typing away <laughs> how does that work i i don't know guess it, we'll find out yeah okay let's move on to the next story here uh this one was a little disturbing uh amazon one of the biggest uh, e-tailers in the world uh, basically had to take down a bunch of Christmas ornaments that featured Auschwitz on them. So uh, some Auschwitz uh, bottle openers and Christmas ornaments that had pictures of the Nazi concentration camp. Why would anyone think that was a good idea? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. The... Um, the Auschwitz uh, Memorial uh, Museum uh, basically found these and asked Amazon to take them down, rightfully so. Uh, but this uh, belays an issue that uh, Amazon does have. Uh, you can put some pretty crappy stuff up there, and it takes a while for people or the bots to figure out that it shouldn't be there. I mean, there's just so many marketplace sellers that uh, it's hard to police. The other thing we should point out, though, these particular ornaments were also kind of like the just-in-time, they don't exist until someone actually orders it. It's like a t-shirt right. company, yeah. Yeah, so they're only going to make it when someone puts, you know, chooses that keychain and chooses that photo and goes together as a product. So they didn't, they didn't actually have a, you know, a case or a pallet of these things sitting in a warehouse somewhere. We're going to have to take a break now. When we come back, we're talking phonos. 
or Phonus. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, a new cell phone service, $40 a month, Canadian, worldwide, unlimited talks, text, and data. Is it too good to be true? We'll find out. Back after this. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. Well, uh, we've been talking a lot about Phonus over the past couple of weeks. It's a, uh, uh, a mobile service uh, that's uh, got worldwide coverage roaming in every country, including Canada, uh, for basically 30 bucks US a month. Unlimited talk, text, and data. On the line, we were fortunate enough to uh, get the founder. His name is Simon Tien. He is uh, the man behind Phonus. Thanks for joining us today, Simon. Hey, guys. Uh, I wanted to get you well, on the program. No, no worries. <laughs> I, I wanted to get you on the program because we were very intrigued uh, by this new service, but it it sounds too good to be true. Uh, how is it possible that you can get yeah. uh, this service down to 30 US a month that works worldwide? Well, it's simple. Uh, look, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you why it sounds too good to be true. Uh, the main reason is because uh, the prices have been way too high for uh, too many years. Uh, and, uh, you know, especially the Canadian market essentially works like an oligarchy where uh, <clears throat> there's, you know, essentially handshakes between all the big guys. I won't name them, name them but the, the big carriers in Canada. Um, and they've all agreed on certain prices uh, that can guarantee you know, big profit margins. Uh, whereas, you know, if you look at a territory like the United States, uh, where there's real uh, competition, you know, between the big guys, the prices are much more reasonable. Uh, and, and, and the, you know, if you compare our price with just, you know, American prices or East Asian prices uh, for unlimited data and unlimited talking tax, you'll see that it's not that far-fetched. It's, it's, I'm simply showing uh, the market uh, what the real price for, for, uh, for unlimited data is. But don't you uh, still have to do a deal with those companies in Canada, though, even at a wholesale rate? Yep. Yep. Yeah, we do. And we do have deals with... Uh, we, we, we have a signed deal with a major Canadian carrier. Um, and we also have deals with uh, a major American carrier and also a major Japanese carrier, a major European carrier that also covers Australia and New Zealand. Uh, and so, yeah, from day one, our service will be available to about uh, 40 countries globally. Uh, roughly, it covers North America, Europe, uh, East Asia, uh, and Oceania. Yeah, those are the rough uh, regions. That you can roam in. And and when is this expected to launch, Simon? Um, we're gonna like I'm currently in Hong Kong right now, uh, and I literally just yesterday I visited the SIM card manufacturing facility, and our capacity is gonna be like 10 million SIM cards per month, uh, and we'll start shipping like probably like early next week. And we'll use the fastest shipping method, so people will receive their SIM cards like I, I think within two weeks, and everyone will get like tracking numbers and everything. And as soon as you receive it, you just 
you know, you activate it through our online portal, um, and you can pick like a like a number. So you can like even if you're in Vancouver, let's say, uh, you can pick uh, a Toronto number, a four a four one six number, or a Montreal number, a five one four number, and you just pick through the portal, uh, and then and then you activate it, and then and then the the SIM card will have that number, uh, and then you'll have to pay. The thirty dollars—it's uh, a bit like a prepaid SIM card. So you pay the thirty dollars up front, and then the service gets activated for one month. Uh, and then you can also cancel the service at any time. Like there's no contract. So if after like two months, after you've paid like sixty dollars, you're like, oh, I want to go back to Fido or Telus or whoever, uh, you're always free to do that. I'm still, <laughs> I'm still uh, a little uh, shocked that you'd be able to offer such a rate in Canada. Here, are you losing money yeah. on on Canadians? No, no, I'm not losing money. I'm, I'm I'm making look. So here's my trick, and like it's it's supposed to be like a secret sauce, but it's okay. I can reveal it. So basically, like I'm making very, like very very large profit margins on the SIM cards. So the SIM cards are, are relatively, like, they're very inexpensive to produce. It's on the order of, a, like, like a couple couple dimes, you know, but, like, like it's less than a dollar. Um, and I'm selling them at, you know, $15 a SIM card. So there, there's a lot of margin there, right? Uh, whereas on the, on the $30 per month uh, unlimited plan, uh, there's still some margin. Like, I'm not losing money but the margin is very minimal. So that's, you know, that's, that's how the, the economics are going to work. And, and do you have this all set up like from a customer support uh, aspect? I mean, at that price, I, yeah. I, I can only imagine like how many people would sign up for it. I mean, it would be in the thousands, if not <laughs> millions, like in Canada, yeah. if you can get $40 unlimited yeah. uh, data, for example, uh, for you know, roughly around forty dollars Canadian a month, like that would that yep. would change things dramatically here. Oh yeah, uh, absolutely. And I, I I think not just in Canada, but uh, you know, in other territories as well. Because the reality is, like, let's say you're in the U.S. and you're paying like roughly, let's say, sixty bucks for unlimited. Uh, it's still only for the U.S. You know, like as soon as you you walk into another country, there's roaming fees. You got to pay additional fees. In our case, you can, you know, you can travel to New York, you can travel to Paris, you can travel to Shanghai, you can travel to Tokyo. You're still paying thirty bucks a month. There's no additional fees. And that's phone calls, texting, and and most importantly to me, data. Data, yes, all three, and also it's basically from and to anywhere. So you can call from any jurisdiction. Right, so you can roam anywhere, uh, and you can also call anywhere in the world. So, and all the long distance calls are covered as well. You mentioned um, you mentioned now, being. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, like I, I know how this sounds like unbelievable, but it's it's the true like it's it's like the thirty dollars a month price point is it's only slightly higher than the true actual cost of providing this service. It's only a bit higher so that I can still make like a bit of margin. But 
it, it, like, it, that's basically it. Like, if I offered it at, like, 25 bucks, I'd be losing money. So, this is, like, I'm just showing the market what, like, the true cost is. That's all. Can people port their number, their existing number over? So, in Canada, unfortunately, uh, it's not going to be a supported feature on day one. Uh, this is because of multiple layers of technical, like, there's, there's a lot of complexities to make it happen. Uh, but our team, like, our technical team is confident that it will be supported within six months. Uh, in, in other, in other regions of the world, there are regions where portability will be supported right away. Uh, but, but in Canada, uh, it won't be at, on day one. You'll be able to pick, like, any number from day one already. Like, or, like a new number. You mentioned being able to choose a Toronto number if you're a Vancouver. Can I choose a Hong Kong number if I want, or a, a, a Texas number if I wanted to? Yep. So in, pretty much anywhere yep, where you're you you're supported, I can choose a number if it's available there. Exactly. Yes, you can basically go on our website, and then you can choose an area code of your choice. So you can pick a country. You can say, okay, I want the United States, and then you pick like a California like area code, and then boom there's going to be a whole list of available numbers in that region. And then you can pick that number. And then what's good about the SIM card is also that it's a, it's a programmable SIM, a programmable SIM. Meaning if like, let's say after four months, you want to switch your number to like a European number, for example, like let's say you want plus 44, like a London number, uh, then you can switch it to on the portal. Um, and uh, the SIM card will change. We're talking with Simon Tien. He is the man behind Phonos, uh, a new mobile world carrier that uh, is offering unlimited text, talking, uh, talking, and data in multiple countries around the world. We're looking forward to actually uh, getting one of these uh, SIM cards and uh, plans in our hands to to test it out in the weeks to come. Good luck with this, Simon. Uh, Looking forward to checking it out. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, guys. Have a good day. We come back from the break. More tech to talk here on Get Connected. Back after this. You're live with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with fellow tech nerd John Beeler. We've got uh, a fascinating guest with us uh, today to talk about artificial intelligence. A uh, big conference happening in town called Analog. Yes, Analog. Uh, put on by the Canadian uh, Media Fund and also Telefilm. We have uh, David Usher. He is... Uh, Many things, I guess you're. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Many things. You're uh, a musician, artist, uh, dabbling in artificial intelligence now as well. Yeah, I've been I've been doing tech for a long time, but this is a new company uh, specifically around visual AI. Yeah. So uh, many people might know you from uh, your band, Moist. Moist. Yeah. Yeah. And that's still going strong? It's still going strong. We just got off a 25th anniversary tour, um, doing a bunch of sold out venues all over the place. And we're coming back in, the, in June for an arena tour in, uh, across Canada. So you have a lot of time on your hands, spare time on your hands to do, <laughs> do all these other things. Not so much. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I want to talk about uh, not only the conference happening, but why you're involved. And you've got a, a company called Reimagine AI. Yeah. And what's, what's that all about? Um, I mean, I've been involved with tech for a long time. And uh, I do a lot of uh, corporate speaking, keynote speaking, about creativity and innovation. Um, I wrote a book around that subject and uh, how companies can be more creative and innovative as, um, as you know, the future is changing so quickly and people be, companies need to become more adaptable. 
And I really wanted to talk about artificial intelligence as well, because if you're really looking into the future and what the new, new change is going to be, you really have to understand the technology that's coming down. And AI is going to really transform so many processes for businesses. And that led me down the rabbit hole of really getting into studying AI and um, I really wanted to play with the technology more. And as I got into that, I built a company around it. Because you're not cool enough already that you're <laughs> like in a, in a band. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't want to say that. Yeah. <laughs> I got some spare time. Yeah. I'm going to start an AI company. Uh, so what kind of things are you doing? We essentially build visual AI. So we build um, uh, essentially any kind of visualization, any kind of avatar on the front end. And we uh, build a technology stack in the back end that integrates interactive and artificial intelligence technologies. Um, what we're finding now is as AI comes from, goes from being research at the big universities and at the big Googles and Facebooks and Amazons, now it's becoming programmatic. And so creators can use that in their, in their creative uh, interactions in, in their stacks to, to build all sorts of different things that they couldn't before. And what we do is we build all the connective tissue that connects all of these technologies, and then we can build any personalized character on the back end and any visualization on the front. So how is the artificial intelligence uh, in, involved then? You're talking about avatars, are these things yeah, talk, you, talking with you? you, you can talk to, you can talk to them, they can talk back to you, they can have any character, they can see you, they can, and, and there's, much, I mean, we integrate things like uh, they know you by name, facial recognition, uh, chat, voice synthesis, um, uh, uh, computer vision, all kinds of different AI techs that are coming out now that allow you to do many different things that you couldn't before. The conference happening, uh, analog, what will you be talking about there? Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll actually have one of our eyes up live okay. uh, that I'll be talking to for yeah. the audience so they can sort of see some of the interactions. So you're talking to it. Yeah. yeah. And then we'll be doing uh, essentially a Q&A all around, um, all around uh, artificial intelligence, what artificial, artificial intelligence means to in sort of this new hybrid uh, creativity, as well as uh, a little about um, perspectives on the future of AI, both positive and negative. You're an artist. Are yeah. you coming at it from an artist standpoint or a business standpoint or a programming standpoint? It's a mix of all of those things. Okay. It, really is an, it really is an integration of art and science. Um, as, as voices become sort of ubiquitous, it's everywhere. Um, our hypothesis as a company that is that uh, most brands or, or uh, corporate properties are going to want um, their own visualizations of those AIs. Um, and because only 50% of uh, communication is actually through the actual words, the rest is visual. Um, a lot of communication is going to be transmitted that way through what the AIs look like, how they see you, and those interactions, those micro interactions. Should we be frightened? Uh, <laughs> you know, because people are, of you know, because we have like Elon Musk and other tech leaders saying we need to be careful about artificial intelligence. I absolutely, I absolutely think there need to be more voices involved with the conversation of what's going to happen in the future with AI. Right now, the majority of the voices are coming from researchers and universities or from the big AI companies themselves, the big, um, you know, the Googles and the Facebooks and the Amazons. We need a lot more people involved in the conversation because definitely AI is going to change the, the face of industry. It really is. We're going to see shifts in it. It's not going to say, no, I'm not saying that all the jobs are going to disappear, but what we're going to see is a shift in who's doing the jobs and where they're being done. So there's going to be this disruption in, I, I like to talk about the, uh, when, when I'm describing this, talk about the energy industry. When clean energy came in, um, you know, it wasn't the coal miners that got the jobs. New jobs were created, but they were created somewhere else for someone else. Yeah. 
And that's the same thing that's going to happen here. If you look at the disruption of the music business, that's a great example of what a digital disruption looks like to, to an industry. Now, visualize uh, artificial intelligence as being a disruptor of all industries, where it's not one, don't think of AI as one massive singular AI, some super intelligence. Instead, think of it as a million little tiny AI programs that come in and sort of work behind the scenes. And slowly they take the place of what humans used to do in small little pieces. But if you start to add those up, it starts to become something real. And that's where it's not one industry, it's many industries, right? It, it, you know, your accounting program starting to use it, your writing program starts to use it. And that doesn't affect one industry, that affects all industries. What my, do you? My accounting program still says I have no money. <laughs> I can't do with that. It's hyper-intelligent. Sorry, John. What do you think about the, there's a conversation happening right now around AI where as these programs uh, and personas get more advanced, they're actually creating content. Yeah. And who owns that content? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a, that is something that we deal with. I built something called, um, with Google uh, Brain out of uh, Montreal, we're working on something called Lyric AI, which is an artificial intelligence agent that can write song lyrics with, uh, with you're, humans. You're done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, but you learn a lot of th from doing those kind yeah. of things. You learn a lot. And what you learn is that complex creativity is very difficult for, for artificial intelligence. It's good at very specific things. Um, it's good when the answer is yes and no, it's very good. When it's subjective, it's a bit more difficult. And when, when it's stacks of, when you need stacks and stacks of uh, different inputs from different places to do this amalgamation of work and then have context to that, it's much more difficult. So, you know, you learn that, that there, is, there is a lot of possibility to AI, but there are a lot of limitations as well. Yeah. But what I would say is we're at the very beginning of this and there are literally billions and billions of dollars being poured into creating these new AIs that are faster, better, cheaper, yeah. and more diverse. And so we're going to see rapid change for sure. You've, you being a musician, you have lived and are probably still living through the uh, major disruption to the music industry. Do you think uh, that experience gives you uh, a leg up in this new <laughs> disruption? I think what it does is give me a perspective because I lived through a disruption from the inside out. I watched how a new technology came and disrupts an industry. So I watched how the leaders in those industries um, faced the disruption that was coming. And most of them didn't understand the disruption, so they couldn't react to it. And when they did try, try to react to it, the systems weren't built into their companies to react to disruption. They hadn't built in those those creative systems that could deal with new technology and really know how to, to um, confront those and to change with the times. Um, they tried, but it was very difficult because I always talk about creative innovation being something you can't slap on at the last minute when you need it. You have to build it into your culture, right? You have to build it into the people as individuals and you have to build it into the corporate structure that you build. Um, and if you don't do that in advance, you're not building a ship that can be turned easily. You're building something that cannot be turned. Um, those things need to be built in now to all these businesses. That's difficult to get that message to businesses, isn't it? Like I look at, you know, a lot of these uh, retailers, for example, trying to get into the e-commerce space to compete against like the Amazons. And, you know, if it wasn't part of their core being, they've been struggling with that. Like how are businesses going to adapt to AI? It's going to be very difficult. But, the, but, but the, the most you can hope for is that you put the systems and teams in place that are looking at all of the new technology that comes out and really figuring out what parts of those new technologies are right for, for your company. Testing and trying things, you know, trying to find out where you should be going. But you can only really do it by getting involved, 
Right? You can't know if a technology is right for you if you don't try it or you don't play with it. Or you, you should have a team in place that's playing with all these new things, really figuring out what's going to work for you. Because I, I, I always say it's never really about throwing out everything you know. It's much more about, you know, you, you know as, as a business, you have an expertise, but you want to be using the latest and greatest things that are coming out as well. It's programmatic, right? You want to be using the latest and greatest things so you, you have the, you're, you're ready for the next phase. Because there is some company your competitor or someone coming up behind you that is going to do that. And how do you have all this time? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> As I've been doing this set of interviews, like these interviews today, I'm like, uh, how do I do this? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. And next week I go into write with the band. So that's really fun. Are you going to replace all the band members with AI? If I could. No, no, no. Just kidding, boys. <laughs> we got to tweet that. Yeah, yeah, well. We got to tweet that. Uh, Thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much. That was David Usher. He is uh, with a company called... Again, Reimagine AI. Reimagine AI. Is there a website? Reimagine.ai. That's pretty simple. And from the band uh, Moist. And you're probably doing 20 other things, and I feel really lazy now. <laughs> <laughs> when we come back from the break, more tech to talk here on Get Connected. Stay tuned. You are back with Get Connected. Mike here with uh, tech nerds John and uh, AJ. Let's talk about internet security. I always tell people now that uh, you should have some type of internet security, not so much for the viruses, but just uh, to keep track of bad websites, uh, phishing scams, things like that. There's some big players out there, obviously uh, Semantic, uh, there's Avast, uh, AVG. Well, now there's an issue with some of those. Uh, Avast and AVG browser extensions apparently are spying on Chrome and Firefox users. What's happening? Mm. Yeah, so uh, basically when you install Avast or AVG as the standalone application, one thing it does by default, it actually will install browser extensions into your browsers to help extend the the net, if you will, the protective net uh, for these um, tools. But one thing that uh, was discovered recently was that these particular browser extensions are actually reporting and capturing and sending back home a lot more information than people probably are comfortable with. So some of the, the data that's being sent uh, includes the full URL of the page you're on, including any kind of query. So when you type in a search string, it gets added to the URL at mm. the top and all that information gets sent back to them. Uh, a unique user identifier. So this can actually be traced back to your specific account uh, with these software companies and or your specific machine. The page title, the referring website you came from, how you got to that page by entering the address directly using a bookmark or clicking a link, and a value that tells, was whether that tells them whether you visited this page before. So they can paint a pretty clear picture of your browser history from all the data that these things are collecting. In addition to your country code, your browser name and exact version number, as well as your operating system and version number. So that's a pretty big pile of data visiting one website. And this is going back to the security company that you essentially hired right. to protect you. <laughs> to protect you. Yeah. You're sending them all this information that yeah. you didn't know. So uh, there's uh, a few here. Avast Online Security, uh, AVG Online Security, Avast Safe Price, and AVG Safe Price. That's kind of scary. Yeah. So what you're going to want to do, unless you don't care about your privacy, is uninstall these browser extensions if you use Chrome or Firefox. Which most people do, but I guess a lot of Apple users would be using Safari. Perhaps. You no, know really bugs me. You know when you have to agree to the terms before downloading a software or installing it or whatever? 
Like, they're so hard to read. Yeah. Yeah. They should make a little program that just reads you the important part. I think there's actually an app that does that. Yeah. It interprets the legalese yeah. and makes it more human friendly. Yeah. Still, that's a whole other step <laughs> that, no, that no one's going to take. So, uh, John, uh, again, essentially, if you've got these uh, security programs, Avast, AVG, uh, disable them. Yeah, or at least consider what you're giving them. Uh, if it matters to you or if you'd rather be you know, more protected, that's fine. But I just don't see any value in these companies having this this level of detail about your browsing history. We're going to have to take a break. When we come back, it's uh, time for uh, a new segment that we're going to try, the Get Connected Mailbag. We're going to take your uh, questions and uh, answer them on the air. You're listening to Get Connected here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler, AJ Vickery. We're going to try a new segment this week called The Mailbag. We're going to uh, take questions that we get from our viewers. What uh, email address can they send questions to? They should use our feedback form on our website. At getconnectedmedia.com. We just might answer your question on the show here. First one uh, is from Lorraine. I uh, would like a digital photo frame so I can display photos of my grandkids. Uh, one that uh, that I can also uh, update via the cloud or through the uh, internet. It's a good question. There's uh, a lot of digital photo frames uh, that have come and go over the years. Uh, some of the basic features uh, is that they take memory cards or a USB stick, uh, but some of them also have uh, internet connectivity. Any favorites? No. <laughs> well, we, we talked about this off air and... I've migrated all my stuff away from a photo frame per se, and I just use my Amazon Echo Show. I have a, a an album in Amazon Photos, which is free if you have Prime, and you can put your stuff there, and you can actually share that with anybody else too. So, And then and every time you look at your display that's on your kitchen counter or your bedside table, you'll see all these photos as your backdrop. Yeah, it's interesting because I think the the idea of um, whether it's the Nest Hub or the Echo Show, like those devices that are smart with the screens built into them, I think that's really going to be that next um, evolution of getting um, uh, this type of these types of things into the regular household. Uh, but some people still have an issue with that sort of privacy, you know, in terms of having a device that's listening to you all the time. Um, and there are some. Um, there are some just photo frame onlys that are on the marketplace. Yeah, one that uh, I've tried and uh, worked quite well. I've got uh, one for my parents called Nix Play, N-I-X Play. And uh, they've got a number of different photo frames, just you know, regular ones that you stick a memory card or USB stick into, but also internet connected ones. Mm -hmm. And through an app, uh, you know, once you've got it hooked up uh, in your loved one's home, you can send it uh, photos. Yes. Which so is you cool. can send them photos. Yeah. yeah. So the challenge with some of these digital photo frames is that are they going to be around in five years? Yeah. Because if they're or using two. some or two, if they've got some sort of cloud service, mm. uh, if they go out of business, that cloud service is dead. Mm -hmm. So for example, uh, Kodak, remember Kodak? I bought my parents a Kodak mm -hmm. uh, digital picture frame yeah. back 10 years ago. Might have been 12 years ago. And uh, Kodak basically got out of the photo frame business and eventually their cloud service died yeah so now i just have to bring memory cards <laughs> uh so not a, not a big issue but you know definitely uh something to to think about uh so again nixplay is probably the best standalone one that i've come across but to your point aj uh, a lot of these new smart speakers have screens mm -hmm. built into them like the google uh, nest hub and the max version and the echo shows which you have and and love yep and they're pretty easy to. They're very easy to set up. 
Looks like that's uh, all the time we have left, guys. Don't forget to check out our podcasts of the show and video podcast at getconnectedmedia.com. This week, we're giving away an Epson EcoTank printer. Yes, this thing is amazing. It has enough ink in it to last for two years, so you don't have to keep going to get new ink cartridges because it doesn't take them. You just refill it with special ink bottles for about 60 bucks. It's pretty awesome. I love it. I have one, and it has changed my life. Again, the Epson EcoTank printer at getconnectedmedia.com. Sign up for our newsletter to enter. Yeah, that's the catch. Yeah. Because <laughs> we want to send you things. Uh, again, the Epson EcoTank printer at getconnectedmedia.com, a fantastic contest. Got to check it out. This is Mike, AJ, and John signing off. We'll see you again next time. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, Tune in Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.